0: Ah, mon Afrique, réveille-toi, il est midi, tu dors encore, réveille-toi, n'écoute pas Babylone, il t'est fourni les armes pour tuer ton peuple, n'écoute pas Afrique. Oh, ya bato cheveux crepus bato mael ebo simbani babigi. Oh, ya bilanga bo simbani bakongo simbani ma bo kome muna le kateo africa malo bate mousalande.
1: Moui noyangolo
0: africae mo bali amingao africa atonamo solo africa.
2: Thank you and welcome to Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people in America. I am your host Patricia Lokwa, joining me with Kambale Musavuli, calling in it from Chicago. How are you doing, Kambale? Doing well, doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. How was your week?
3: Oh, wonderful. Uh, still working hard. I uh, spent some time uh, working with some of the youth leaders on the ground in Congo and some who are uh, in uh, other parts of uh, the African continent. Speaking about you know, what the future of the Congo is going to be lo- uh, looking like and what's our responsibility right now to give back uh, to the people on the ground. So it's been a really inspiring week for me.
2: That's really awesome. Uh, We're continuing with our theme of Keeping Congo Alive as we look at the journey of Congolese people worldwide. Last Saturday, we had JJ Bola, a Congolese poet based in the UK, who has a new book being released this Thursday on June 18th. Uh, Make sure you go out and buy the book. Uh, He's a very interesting person and has a lot uh, of information to offer. What was interesting most about him was how he kept Congo alive alive in his life and he shared a lot of great stories of how um we need to get involved in keeping the story of congo alive but before we go a little bit more into that um kambali can you share the news with us
3: oh definitely and um some of our listeners have been following religiously our news uh know that uh, we've been keeping the story alive of our brothers uh two of our brothers uh fred bauma and eve makwambala who are uh, unjustly detained by the congolese government uh they were part of a a movement called filimbi and they organized an event uh specifically for if Makwambala he was just the webmaster of uh, the organization Uh, they've been charged with high treason Uh, unfortunately um, the no they they still in prison right now there is no international outcry. But the positive news around them is that uh, the Congolese parliament launched an inquiry uh, to the charges that they have, and they actually found that they should be released immediately because the charges against them are unfunded. And, and they st- actually stated that uh, the Congolese government previously stated that uh, Filimbi, the collective, is a terrorist group, and the Congolese parliament actually saying that this is not true and that the members of Filimbi should be released. On another note, uh, in Quebec, uh, in Canada, uh, the Congolese community of uh, Quebec uh, have been successful at mobilizing uh, their legislators there, and the Quebec parliament... Has uh, passed a motion uh, recognizing uh, the Congolese genocide and calling uh, for the Canadian government and the international community to to pay more attention to the Congo and what has happened uh, to the Congolese people. Uh, something that was powerful was to hear uh, one of the members of the Quebec Parliament speak about Canadian mining companies who are also operating. In the Congo, uh, it was uh, good to hear them also point out that you no know, Western corporations are also implicated, specifically Canadian uh, companies. So that, that's a good news uh, on that side. The second one is uh, Human Rights Watch uh, in Congo right now it is uh, calling for an investigation uh, to the mass grave that was found in Kinshasa. Uh, we spoke about that uh, weeks. It uh, on the show uh, that there was a mass grave found with 425 bodies. Uh, the government saying that these are uh, bodies of uh, dead people that they were not collected in hospitals, um, but human rights activists uh, and different human rights organizations do believe that uh, those bodies may be of um, Congolese who took it up, uh, took it to the streets uh, in January of. Uh, this year to demand that the congolese government doesn't change the constitution Um, and lastly today the belgian artist of uh, rwandan descent i could say uh, strome was supposed to be in kinshasa Um, unfortunately he canceled his concert Uh, many of his fans including me are very disappointed that he will not be singing in kinshasa uh, the reason of the cancellation of his uh, tour, uh, at least of his stop in Kinshasa, is that uh, he became ill. Uh, there are speculations about what actually happened. Uh, I just hope that, that Strome can come back uh, in days to come, weeks to come, or years to come to perform in Congo so that um, people who love his music can see how, no matter who you are, music unites all.
2: Thank you, Kambali, for this news update. And to get back to our topic for the day, keeping Congo alive, a Congolese journey from the motherland to America. We'll focus on the woman's role in the Congo and how women in the Congo transform the Congo and in the country and the women around the world and how they influence this transformation. Our guest today is Mwadi Mukenge, the program director for the sub-Saharan Africa at the Global Fund for Women. Mwadi has a background in women's health, African politics, and economic development and frequently frequently advises donors on their Africa program.
3: Yes, I mean, she's a powerhouse. You know, uh, she's written so many articles and spoken in many platforms. I've uh, had the pleasure to hear her speak at the African Student Association meetings uh, that takes place sometimes, uh, in different cities here in the U.S. once a year. Uh, she's always uh, spoken a uh, from uh, the perspective of the vulnerable who who are always caught specifically on the African continent or uh, in the Congo, uh, the women and the children who get caught in this political conflict. Um, She's advised uh, many young Congolese, um, and one thing that people do not know, there is a Congolese Student Association. In the U.S., and she's always encouraging young Congolese to, one to join uh, the organization and two to write. Just as JJ Bola mentioned to us a lot on uh, last show, that it's important for Congolese for Africans to write their own stories. and Most importantly, you know she's uh, in California. You no, know, she graduated uh, in uh, at UCLA. She has a master's degree in African studies from uh, UCLA, and she's been very engaged. With uh, U- the United Nations, uh, specifically the UN Women Civil Society Advisory Group for West and Central Africa. That means, while she works at uh, the Global Fund for Women and her engagement with the UN Women Civil Society Group, uh, she keeps the story of Central Africa, of her home country, in her work.
2: We want our listeners to participate in today's program by calling the number four one zero. again that number is 410-481-1010, but before we do so, let's take a short break with the song Le Congo by Congolese artist Caroline Kamosi Leki.
1: Qu'il a beaucoup de soucis, la voix de mes ancêtres, dit qu'on va tous renaître. Comment dois-je m'y prendre Mon enfance, fais-toi confiance. Je veux pas rester bloqué, mon cœur risque d'exploser. Et oh, yo, 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 yo. le Congo. Oyo oh, oyo oyo, pays de rêve, pays si beau, pays en fleurs, plein de débrouillard et voleurs. Seul je ne suis rien et donc je te tends la main. Ensemble face aux obstacles. Créer des miracles Ma soeur mon frère Dieu nous a mis sur cette terre Pour qu'on puisse se transformer En joie, en paix et d'unité Oye aïe aïe aïe, oye oye Le Congo Oyo oh, oyo oh, oyo oh, oh, oh. Pays de rêve Pays si beau Pays en pleurs Plein de tes brouillards et voleurs
4: Mi tocó, con el niño, tango de coquí, botele más.
2: Lee singer who is a female urban r&b pop to rise out of belgium in this song she speaks of congo's beauty and how she has not forgotten our roots and speaking of people not forgetting their roots we have our guest who's on the show mwadi how are you doing today and welcome to congo live thank you
5: thank you very much
2: And <laughs> thank you for calling in and how was your week
5: It was good. It was good, intense, but um, I'm doing well. And yourself?
2: I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. Uh, We were just listening to Liki, and she was talking about the beauty of Congo and how we need to stand up and how we need to get involved in matters of Congo and just talking about her past in the Congo. What has helped you stay connected with the Congo uh, within your work and your travels?
5: I have a very large family that uh, lives in the Congo, and uh, so we remain connected on a consistent basis in different parts of the country. And I feel that as Congolese living in the diaspora, we have a duty to contribute to development back home. And so in addition to the family connections, I'm part of an organization of diaspora who implements development projects in rural communities, in particular in eastern Kasai province. Mm. And this is an organization that was created in 1993. It's called Bulela. And it means show that you care. And there are many of us here in the diaspora who have not forgotten our roots and work very tirelessly to raise awareness about the human rights violations, but also about the good work that is happening on the ground so that we hear positive messages. I'm also very fortunate to have a, a profession that enables me to re- remain connected to the African continent, I work as the program director for for Sub-Saharan Africa at the Global Fund for Women, Mm. which is located in San Francisco but has a mandate to support local initiatives around the world that promote women's empowerment and women's rights. So So I have the opportunity to work with local organizations that are creating solutions every day to to make their communities safer, more just, and equitable.
2: And my question I had for you is, when did you leave the Congo?
5: I left the Congo when I was still in primary school, and so it was a while back, but um, I come from the kind of background where my father instilled in us very early that, um, even though we were here in the the U.S., that we had a responsibility to remember where we were from. He taught us our history at home. He made sure we were connected still to our family, and we were part of uh, these meetings with regards to development initiatives, meetings that were taking place in our home and where we would be participating. And so th- this is something we grew up with we were very much instilled in, in with that, that uh, responsibility of, of connection.
2: And wh- why did you leave?
5: This was not at a time of uh, political you know, repression or because of any danger to the family or because of the war. It was before then. Uh, basically, my father got a better opportunity here in, in the U.S., and
3: um, so it was for personal reasons. Well, so I will say the famous word, betuabu.
5: Betuabu, <laughs> Kambali.
3: Actually, before the show, I was trying to figure out how to say betuabu. Um, I was communicating with you, Madi. Um, betuabu is in Chiluba. Uh, it's one of the local uh, language, uh, actually national language in Congo.
4: That's right. <laughs>
3: Yes, and um, I'm curious to know, uh, how did you keep your cheap Chiluba um, going, living in America, and working and traveling also around the world?
5: I've actually had to really um, count on my father and count on the Chiluba-speaking community here in the U.S. I am not anywhere near fluent at all. Um, the organization I talked about, Le Jabila, has Chiluba classes as part of its annual meeting. But that obviously that's not enough to remain um, you know, fluent in, in the language. So I'm not fluent in Chaluba, but we have been taught uh cer- um uh, certain key phrases, certain key concepts, uh salutations, prayers, um, also proverbs in, in Chaluba. And so it's it's a sparse knowledge, but I'm very fluent in French and I'm able to communicate with Congolese from all over the country um in French.
3: And uh how is your Lingala and Swahili and maybe really Kikongo? Lingala
5: probably better than mine.
3: <laughs> and
5: uh, I can understand Swahili, but I don't speak it very well at all. Um, I think the, the challenges of having an opportunity to speak it very regularly make it difficult to keep up the level one would like to have. And so I'm not as good as I used to be.
2: As I listen to you and you mentioning all these different languages that you... Some have you've held on to and some maybe a little bit. When was the last time you went back to the Congo and do you go often?
5: It was actually two weeks ago. Oh, lucky. (laughs) Yes, it was two weeks ago. And um, I was in the Congo for almost three weeks. I was in eastern Congo, Goma in particular, for a conference of women's organizations that Global Fund for Women is working with on women's participation in the peace process. And then after that, I also went to Kinshasa to spend 11 days. And so this was very recent. And prior to then, I had last been back in February of 2013. And I was there also in 2008 and 2006 and 2007. So in recent years, it's been very often and um, in different parts of the country. I have also been to Uvira in the eastern part of the country and in Bujimai in the central part of the country.
3: With your travel uh, across the Congo, um, you know, our home is a big country. Um, What some have said actually is the size of Western Europe, about one-fourth the size of the United States. Mm -hmm. What are some of the differences you've seen in different areas of the Congo on how uh, people are? I think that
5: the differences would be perhaps in the population density um, you know okay. places like kinshasa are so densely populated with more than more than sixteen million people some say even twenty million whereas um... bujimai is, is a place of about four million and um... because of population flows it seems that it's decreasing over the last uh, several years as people try to look for opportunities elsewhere And in a place like Goma, um, it was not very large at all, and um, you could see a a smaller density even outside of the central part of the city. Uh, There's just been a lot of um, people who have left the area due to the political instability and and the war. So the population density is, is one area of difference. But no matter where you are, people are trying to make a living. People everywhere, no matter where they are in different parts of the country are trying to make a living. They're getting up every day and they're trying to make an income. They're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to help their families. And so even though we hear about extremely high rates of unemployment, upwards of 80%, you would not think that from just seeing the bustle of activity every single Uh day. People are moving about. People are um, trying to sell what they can. And um, there's there's definitely a pulse of life There's there's a a pulse of life, Um. and uh, a common thread, I would say, is that people have not given up. People have not given up on their country. They have not given up on on their communities, and so that that positive narrative of people developing solutions and and getting up every day in, in, in spite of the odds, it's something I think that we should celebrate. It's something that I think that we should launch onto, something we should try and collaborate with. And so those of us who are interested in being part of the solution and contributing to the solution have an opportunity to tap into that very positive energy and and those expressions of initiative to build on what people, local people there are already doing.
2: Uh, one of the things that I think about as you're talking about Congo and the women's role in the Congo, uh, can you share with us a little bit of the challenges and the the, the reality of what is it for the women in the Congo um, that they face on a daily basis for the listeners who may not know?
5: I think one of the key challenges is the fact that there's a lot of weight put on women to respond and contribute to to their family needs. And... In spite of um, traditional norms with regards to a woman's role, really that has been debunked for several decades now mm-hmm. as women have had to go outside of the home to earn a living and to be very creative in creating jobs for themselves. And so I would say the, the challenge of earning income, having a skill set where you can uh, practice a, some kind of livelihood is, is a challenge for, for women across the country. And they have to do that, no matter what level of education they have. Uh, many women have not gone beyond primary school, and um, the few that have gone on to high school and, and university still, still still face challenges with regards to finding uh, the type of job where they can put their skills to use and where they're respected as as equal citizens. And and so there's there's the issue of, of equality and and um, the, the women's movement has really been trying to change the perception of women and, and really put forward a, a vision of women as, as equal uh, persons. And, and so um, the issue of livelihoods, the issue of, of equality, obviously the issue of insecurity, particularly in the eastern part of the country, where in spite of the signing of peace accords, the, the situation of safety for women is um, still precarious. And um, women still face, face danger in, in the Kivu provinces and then also in Ituri province, uh, where some of the armed groups are still active, where they have to be very careful in terms of their mobility and uh, undertaking economic activities, going to search for water, going to search for wood, uh, simply because it's, it's not safe. And um, so women's organizations have really been uh, trying to Make a case for their participation in the peace process, saying that the the future of the country uh, cannot be maintained if people cannot move about, and um, when women when women's bodies are put at risk, that impacts whole families. It impacts whole communities. It's a strategy that has torn apart families, that makes communities weaker, and so. The, the responsibility to hold perpetrators responsible, no matter who they are, is really, really critical. And um, so the, the, there are initiatives that the Global Fund for Women is supporting to enable women's groups to advocate and be part of peace processes, to advocate for justice for women who have, who have, um, who have um, experienced violence, and then also to provide services and, and reintegration services for those women. And, um, and and I think that the, the story of, of women regaining their dignity is a story that continues to, to, to need further visibility because somehow the, the women have been sort of painted a broad stroke of victims. But that's the contrary of what you see on, on the ground. What, what you see is that w- women are rising above circumstances that have happened to them, and really life has to go on. And yeah. um, so in as much as we can have legal support, as we can have counseling, as there can be also economic training programs, there, there, there needs to be that feeling that um, w- women can, can overcome their situations and can be productive
2: citizens. I'm really interested in finding out a little bit more of what is it going to take for the violence in the Congo to stop? And what do you think, what do you think the, what is influencing some of these, um, this violence to talk, who are the perpetrators that are affecting everybody's lives and so forth and so on. But before we do, I want to take a short break uh, with the song called Where I'm From by Congolese artist Rafia and uh, when we come back, we have a caller who's been patiently waiting who uh, wants to ask you a question, and we'll go ahead and take his call. is Rafia singing Where I'm From. Rafia is an amazing R&B artist based in the United States and she was born in Los Angeles to the Congolese parents and has traveled around the world with her parents and one thing that's definite that we can hear in her music is that she has not forgotten Africa and Congo as a whole. And as we come back to the show, we want to remind our listeners to call us in at 410-481-1010 again 410 410- So today on Congo Live, we're talking about the role of Congolese women in transformation of her country, which is the Congo, and talking about keeping Congo alive. We have Mwadi who's on the phone with us today, and we also have a caller who's also joining us today. And uh, thank you for being very patient and holding on. Uh, And the name of the caller is Oyakele. Do I have your name correct? Yes, greetings. Can you hear me? Greetings. We can hear you very well. Thank you for calling Congo Live, and um, thank you for listening to us. And what is your question for us today?
6: Wonderful. So it's Oya Khalid one. I just wanted to reach out to Sister Moadi, who I know from Oakland, and at, uh, wonderful work that she's doing. I had a chance to meet her through work with ICE and Mama Chacha from Tanzania. So first, let me just greet my sister. It's so good to hear you out there on the airway.
5: It's good to hear from you, um, too. Thanks.
6: Thank you. I'm actually calling you all from Accra, Ghana. So this is a Skype call. I hope it lasts. And also, I want to big up Kambali, who is actually how I came to know about the show. Really thankful. Um, I don't know. I hear Thank so many topics coming up that I want to speak on. So I'll distill it down for one question, you know, around language and origin, this whole concept of transracial identity and pan-african identity. What does it mean to be African? How can we build those bridges? And um, I guess my question is along the line of taking advantage of the fact that when we are in the diaspora, Um, we are able to blend a lot of those cultural barriers, a lot of those perceived boundaries because we become African and we look towards each other for that camaraderie. Uh, Wanting to think about what can... Because uh, I've been an activist with organizations that were working in Tanzania, I'm presently in Ghana, also working with activist organizations from Togo who are musicians and artists. What can we do to... Um, use pan-Africanism as a tool to address what's happening in the Congo. I know the border that we're talking about in the North Kivu, the eastern part of Congo, is actually bordered by Rwanda, Uganda, and Tanzania. So how can we tap into those communities on the ground throughout the diaspora and have more of a united front to address the issues that are taking place in the Congo? I'd like to hear from our guest what she thinks we can do along those lines.
5: Thank you very much for that question. I think that's a perfect question. I think that as we look at, at the at the uh, many challenges across the African continent, we can't be complacent if it's at a different in a different geographic area from where we are. So, if, if something is happening in Nigeria as a as a Tanzanian, I should be concerned. If something is happening in Somalia as a Ghanaian, I should be concerned. If something is happening in South Africa as a Ugandan I should be concerned and, and so that, that sense of responsibility and solidarity is something that we should practice and there are networks that bring people from across backgrounds from across nationalities both here in the US and on the African continent to create that space where we can speak with one voice one of them is US-Africa network this is a network that was set up three years ago, and the idea is exactly that: is not to leave the challenges of a particular national entity to itself, but to say these are issues that are similar and, and that impact us all. And, and so, I think those who are concerned have an opportunity to connect with groups such as U.S. U.S. Um, Africa Network and contribute to the policy statements that they put out, the advocacy actions, the public education actions. Because in greater numbers, we can have a greater impact on the outcomes of, of some of these challenges. The other, the other strategy that I would talk about is here in the Bay Area, we have a network called Priority Africa Network, which brings together African immigrants, African Americans, and, Afri- and Americans who are interested in human rights and justice on the African continent, again, to have a space to share information about current issues and to collaborate on advocacy positions, so we we have a responsibility to not sit back, but to come together and use our collective voice to put pressure on the U.S. government, on African governments, on the African Union, on um, the various entities that have a responsibility to uh, to have a to, to keep the continent at, at a higher uh, standard. I, w- I would also say that as as people who don't live in on the African continent on a regular basis, we have to be good listeners. We have to be very good listeners. We really have to listen to what's happening on the ground, to what local organizations are saying. We have to take our lead from them in terms of the the types of opportunities to engage and and the timing of, of that engagement, particularly for advocacy. And I think it's important for us to share examples of successful advocacy strategies that are happening in other parts of the continent that might be useful to, to new contexts, but we have to just be very mindful of being good listeners. And with regards to the protracted violence that has impacted the Congo and the Great Lakes region in general, I think that it's very important for us to just tell the truth and, and to put the information out there: what is really happening and what is at the at the core of uh, the the violence. And we we have to put out there that the armed groups, yes, that are active in the Congo are supported by Rwanda and Uganda and have been for a very long time. And so we have to hold the countries or the governments that are perpetuating instability to, we have to hold them to a higher standard. The peace accord, most recent peace accord, which was signed to bring peace in the Congo is the 2013 peace accord. And it has specific provisions around um, the, the holding countries accountable to not support armed groups in, in the Congo because these these armed groups are wreck, wrecking havoc and uh destroying communities because they're getting financial support and military support from other governments the the other uh strategy that we have to put out front is that in dealing with the armed groups we uh, the, the advocacy organizations and civil society organizations are saying that we can't we can't uh, provide amnesty to these armed groups for for the atrocities that they're that they're conducting all over the region it it becomes um, really disrespectful and counterproductive to provide amnesty and um, these acts are repeated over and over again on innocent communities and the same goes for integrating armed groups that we know have committed atrocities into the general population that those those people in the general population continue to perpetuate violence in, instead of being held to count by the justice system. and and so i would I would say that those two things are really, really critical. and um, if we have time, I want to talk about the economic strategies that need to be put in place as well to provide stability and accountability as well for the foreign corporations that are in the Congo.
2: We can definitely do that, but before we do, I wanted to take another caller who's been patiently waiting by the name of um, Diane, who's on the line with us today. Diane, how are you doing today?
7: Um, good afternoon, and um, welcome. Um, hello to your guest. I, I didn't catch your name. I wasn't in here. I was just getting back in Can 12. Diane speak up, please? I just want to know, um, I'm an African-American, but I still say that I am African because my ancestors came from Africa. I want to know how can we, as African-Americans and Africa, come together and do some trades, not only trades, without the government interfering, also with stab- establishing businesses and schools. I'm in Baltimore and across the United States, how we can collaborate and take it back to the continent of Africa and, and wherever um, African people you know, live and, and um, work and breathe. Because if we don't, they will try to pull us apart. No matter what in the wind is that you all don't like us and we don't like you all, but it's that's not the the issue. That's not the problem. The problem is that is communication. I'll I'll like a communication with each other, and I'm gonna hang up and just listen.
2: Hello, um, Mwadi, did you hear the
5: question? I did not. Can you repeat the question? Because I could not hear the caller at all.
2: Okay, well, she basically was asking how can African Americans within the USA get involved in supporting Africa as a whole on an economical level and also just understanding what are ways to bridge the gaps that are happening in America and in Africa, because a lot of times you have... Uh, a country where they try to separate Africans mm-hmm. from the African Americans, and what are things that they can do to support Africa on an economic level, as well as just understanding better of what are what's happening in Africa as a whole.
5: That's an excellent question, and I would draw her attention to to listeners such as Pambazuka. Uh, Pambazuka is a network. P a m b a z u k a dot org that sends out very pertinent analysis on political, economic, social justice uh happenings across the African continent and information on how civil society is responding and also analysis that gives people background on how these these situations came to be and and so a, a greater understanding of what's happening on the ground can be prov- can be gained from looking at places like pambazuka.org the, the other place I, I would say is, as I mentioned before, USA um, Africa Network. And um, it's, it's important to link up with these networks, which are here in the U.S., and link with activists on the African continent to identify key issues, issues of human rights, issues of anti-militarism, issues of economic justice, to, to really create a platform where Americans and the people of African descent uh, everywhere are speaking with one voice against the injustices happening on the African continent. The other opportunity is Friends of Congo. Friends of Congo is based in Washington, D.C., but has chapters throughout the U.S. They've done an excellent job in doing public education on the root causes of injustice in the Congo, and they have, they have uh, activity kits that anybody can implement in their communities via social media or via doing outreach with your friends, um, different methodologies in order to really provide clear information on advocacy actions, on ways that we can be part of the solution. And um, a a demonstration of that solution is a law that is on the books here in the U.S. Americans need to know the foreign policy of the U.S. that impacts different parts of the world, and in particular, the African continent. And so there is a law, 109456, which has been in the books for many years here in the U.S., and for which Americans can advocate for its implementation. It's a law which was intended to withdraw foreign aid to countries that are seen to destabilize the Congo, such as support to the armed groups. And so Americans need to be calling their congressmen, they need to be calling um, Capitol Hill to say, why is this law not put into place? Mm -hmm. And, And so understanding the foreign policy environment and the kinds of laws that create and perpetuate instability across the African continent is really, really critical. So those are some examples that I would suggest.
2: I definitely want to hear more of what you have to say, um, Ms. Ms. Mukigi. But uh, we have a caller who's been patiently waiting. But before we take this call, I want to take a short break and listen to a song by the name of "Qui Je Sui by Kinsha. And when we come back, we'll take our caller and we can have a little longer discussion on a situation happening in the Congo and the women's role. Thank you.
0: Yaga. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Tu veux savoir qui je suis? K-I-N-S-H-A. J-O-H-N, ça c'est si tu me connais pas. Oh, Kinshasa, oh, Kinshasa. J'ai pas besoin de ça, oh, no. Au Kinshasa, au Kinshasa J'ai pas besoin de ça car je marche avec Jack J'ai bien connu la rue mais ça je ne m'en vante pas Peu importe qui tu es, est-ce que tu sais où tu vas J'ai ma dancehall vine pour ma dancehall queen Si belle et sexy dans son dancehall jeans Mais si c'est moi, ajuste ton appareil Je suis le papillon qui te file commune. une Tu veux savoir qui je suis, guy Tu me connais pas, a chassis, a chassis, I'm not going to have 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 a chassis, i am not going to have a chassis i am not going to a chassis a J'ai vu des pierres tombales, des jeunes pour une couleur se retrouvent en phase terminale Peu importe qui tu es, trouve ta rédemption, Honore ton esprit avec ta propre réflexion J'ai changé ma vie, tu sais c'est qui le roi du bal, tu sais de qui je te parle si je te dis Nes Martial Pour vous c'est terminé, maintenant faites place au sérieux, je suis venu récupérer mon terrain de jeu Tu veux savoir qui je suis, K-I-N-S-H-A-J-O-H-N, c'est si tu me connais pas Au Kinshasa, au Kinshasa, j'ai pas besoin de ça, oh non Tu veux savoir qui je suis? K-I-N-S-H-A J-O-H-N, ça c'est si tu me connais pas. Au Kinshasa, au Kinshasa, avec ton blabla, oh non. L'éducation pour nos jeunes, ça reste essentiel Enseignons l'intelligence, c'est non, c'est l'artificiel L'amour ici bas est devenu industriel Au travers des cheminées, il n'y a même plus d'arc-en-ciel Regarde Babylone avec leur big revolver Armée de ma guitare, tu sais que je vais pas me laisser faire Mais si c'est moi, juste ton appareil Je suis le papillon qui te pique comme une abeille Tu veux savoir qui je suis, K-I-N-S-H-A-J-O-H-N Ça c'est si tu me connais pas, aucune châssis Au Kinshasa, j'ai pas besoin de ça. Oh. Oh, oh non. Car beaucoup ont essayé mais ne pourront jamais nous arrêter. Ne peuvent pas nous, jamais. Car ont essayé, mais ne pourront jamais nous arrêter. Car beaucoup, essayé, pas nous nous arrêter. Nous oui. Car beaucoup ont essayé mais ne pourront jamais nous arrêter. Ne, ne p- peuvent pas
4: nous arrêter.
0: Car beaucoup ont essayé mais ne pourront jamais nous arrêter. Ne peuvent pas nous arrêter.
2: Thank you for joining us today on Congo Live and welcome on this beautiful Saturday. We have Mwadi who's on the phone with us and who's been sharing with us the role of Congolese women in the Congo and shedding some light on bridging the gaps between what the Americans' roles are and what the Congolese roles are in making a change in these women's lives in the Congo and what we Congolese need to do as well to make these changes. We have uh, Leo, who's been on the phone waiting uh, patiently. Leo, are you there? Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Leo. How are you doing today? Uh, Thank I'm, you I'm for wonderful.
8: Joining us. I'm, I'm enjoying very much your discussion. Okay. I have a general set of questions and that is that... Uh, I know that when you talk about pan-Africanism, it has been my experience that the, the Europeans and the Chinese and the Americans and others do not, do not have a vested interest in promoting pan-Africanism per se. Uh, I want to know, um, and of course, the oil industry has a vested interest in destabilizing that region for profit. Now, my question is, which European countries are providing the munitions, the weaponry, for Uganda and Rwanda to uh, mischief make and to intervene in the affairs of the Congo, because they're always, when we speak of a global economy, we cannot write off the wealth of the very rich. The richest man in the world is Bill Gates, and he's a citizen of the United States, and he has an interest in Africa. Uh, But what about the European influence in the destabilization of Congo? Talk to thank me about that, much. because obviously they are involved.
5: Yes, thank you very much. Um, and I, I believe you said your name was, was Leo. You very much touched on the, of the issue for the Great Lakes. It, it's definitely the mineral wealth of the Congo and the Great Lakes region that makes it such a, a resource for the, inter, for the global economy and makes it an important location for the global economy and it has been an important area for more than hundred years we, we know that the mineral resources of the congo have been critical to the telecommunications industry to the automobile industry to the defense uh, industry to the aviation industry and and many others and it's 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 in the vested interests of corporations around the world to get those resources at the cheapest price possible and the the kinds of um violence that we have seen in the Great Lakes region have seen alliances between corporations and armed groups. That's very true. And so, yes, we do have to ask those questions of where the arms are coming from, because the arms are not being manufactured in in, in Congo. They're not not being manufactured in in Burundi. And so um, responsibility of those multinational actors and those international governments is at the top of the agenda for any uh, human rights organization and civil society group that is working on human rights for the Congo. And so I want to draw your attention to the 2013 Peace Accord, which was signed in Addis Ababa. And one of the key elements of this peace accord with regards to bringing peace in the Congo was holding everyone accountable, holding everyone accountable, whether it is African nations, whether, whether it is European nations, whether it is multinationals, whether it is Congolese individuals that are involved also in the, in the trafficking of arms or involved in the trafficking of, of resources. These entities are named in the Peace Accord and, are, and have a role in terms of accountability to bring about peace. And the, the integration of women into assuring that this Peace Accord is implemented is also a, a benchmark in the Peace Accord. And so when we talk about women's participation in the peace process, it's not a tag-on strategy. It's a strategy that's built into the peace process. And so the, the conference I talked about, which I just attended in GOMA, um, was intended to bring together women's organizations that have been working on peace initiatives in Uganda, in DRC in particular, in Burundi and Rwanda, bring them together to... to to create a collaborative strategy on how together they can help implement the 2013 Peace Accord. And so um, this initiative is called the Women's Platform Mm. for the Peace, Security, and Cooperation Framework, which is the name of the Peace Accord. This Women's Platform is, is intended to create a space for all the peace initiatives to get funding from donors in order to do the public education to do the public advocacy to participate in the peace dialogues in such a way that we can see some really tangible changes tangible changes and much quicker resolution of these issues than we've seen in, in the past decade and and so I want to elevate the the attempts of women's organizations that participated in the in the convening in GOMA and celebrate them because they, they work in very difficult and, and challenging situations to tell the truth where the truth is not profitable and where the truth puts them into, into danger. There are some people that don't want the truth to be told. Yeah. And, and so the, the Global Fund for Women serves as the secretariat whereby we manage the donor funds that are being awarded to women's groups on the ground. So we select these organizations on the, base of their, on the basis of their track record and in, in doing important work on the ground. And we organize these convenings so that they can meet each other, they can develop collaborative strategies. And over 60% of the organizations that are being supported are from the Congo, in particular eastern part of Congo. And I've had the opportunity to, to meet them all and really learn from them and learn from them about their desires, their strategies, what will work from their vantage point. And so we're trying to raise awareness about their work. We're we're trying to um, educate those corporations that want to change their image. We're trying to educate other actors on how they can all be part of of the solution.
3: A a question for you. Um, You kind of touched on on the role of the women uh, in um, some of your remarks. And um, inspired by the song that we play earlier of uh, John Kincha, you know, he's a young Congolese uh, who moved to Montreal, who have mixed in t- with culture, but who still engage, you know, even in his music, you know, he's reminding people that you no, know, he's he even took the name Kincha almost Kinshasa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to bring the attention to uh, m- mainly the the gender, right, the general um, that. There is something very particular about you, right, uh, especially in the diaspora, is that um, there seems to be a vacuum of Congolese women voices from the youth mm-hmm. in the political discussion uh, that goes on. So you usually see males you know, getting on the shows, a radio show, writing.
1: Yes.
4: yes.
3: Well, I know there are many uh, Congolese women who are adequate to do so. Uh, what do you think we need to do to bridge that gap so that we have more Congolese women uh, voice, especially the youth? And uh, what helped you uh, in beca- in having that platform?
5: I would say that in terms of what we can do to have more women more women participate in conversations, is for us to be mindful about that. I'm very intentional about reaching other Congolese women who perhaps, among ourselves, we are very much comfortable talking about these issues, but we don't necessarily have connections to organizations or, or platforms that give us a voice. So I'm constantly sharing the names of Congolese women with the entities that call me to write an article or to be on a panel or to be part of some kind of initiative i want them to know about these other sisters and and these other activists even if they don't call themselves activists they have important things to share and and so we we get to broaden the the conversation if we bring more people on board and and we also have to in, encourage people who might see something as being directly political and um you know, encourage them to 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 have the self confidence and and to have the assurance that that it's important to speak up. That as we are here in, in the diaspora, we have a responsibility, and, and and we're not here just to pursue the American dream. But what about the dream of our Congolese brothers and sisters left back home? And um, I, I think this is something that that is instilled um, through through the environment in which you're in. And so my environment at home instilled a sense of responsibility, but also in in university, it's the the type of people I was around, people from various African countries, and we regularly put on conferences about the issues impacting the continent. And um, my professors also took us to conferences, and and so part of what I try to do is bring other Congolese to conferences and, and to events, and, and so we have to be intentional, and um, we, we have to also make sure diverse voices are heard. And I'm excited when I hear the developments and creations of, of young Congolese when they use arts or music, and the, uh, the types of positive messages that we're hearing from the youth in, in the Congo. So, and, and so I'm always sharing information about the positive things that young people are doing, in spite of unemployment, in spite of... A crippled education system, and, and, and in spite of poverty, young people are creating and, and they are taking risks and they are speaking out and they're reaching each other through social media. They're creating music which talks about the realities of life.
2: So, Mwadi, I had a question for you as we end the show today. Who is your favorite musician?
5: Oh, it's hard to
2: choose. <laughs> okay, if that's hard, difficult, what would you say your favorite meal in Congo is?
5: Mm, my goodness, you're going to make me hungry. So I'm okay. sure
2: because when you were with all those women in Goma, I know they're wonderful cooks and they throw down, so I'm sure there was a few... Dishes that they they let you have that we didn't have an opportunity to share with you, so at least I can enjoy it through the <laughs> through the radio. So, what was one of the, a good dish that they cooked for you in Goma?
5: Congolese dishes are very very succulent, very very tasty, and um, we had poulet à la moimbe. Oh, we I love that. We also had uh, We obviously had fufu. We obviously had. Um, bondu, which, which is a vegetable, mm-hmm. and um, we have such a diverse cuisine, cuisine in, in the Congo, and um, so that's definitely a way to bring people together. Even here in, in the U.S., I think that's a way also to get Americans interested in Congolese culture and history. Bring them together around the table. Absolutely. And use that opportunity to talk about the human rights that Absolutely. tie us all together.
2: And thank you so much for joining us today on Congo Live. You just gave us, you know, you blew my mind with all the information that you shared with us. And I know our listeners had an opportunity to learn a lot today. If you have more questions, please make sure you follow us on Congo Live. And you can ask your questions on our Facebook page or you can go on our website, www org, And we want to thank our producer, Mr. Lobangi from Tabilulu Productions. We also want to share our condolences to his family. He lost a family member last week On a, after our show. We also want to thank Sami Chimanga and Danielle Lin for social media. And Shay, who's not here today, we have a different engineer. But thank you so much for all the work that you do. And we look forward to hearing from you next Saturday at two o'clock.
5: Thank
1: you all for inviting. Me. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
8: W-O-L-B Baltimore, a Radio 1 station where information and...